we can't want someone to have a better life if they don't want it themselves, right? If they're not willing to work for it, if they're not willing to improve their situation to become, let's say, emotionally available or ready for a commitment or ready for love, we can't want that for them more than they want it for themselves. We can't make them become that person. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks Come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park Now we eating from state to state, we scraped the plate I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt to the Decoding Success Podcast, top 1% globally ranked show. This is episode number 281, and you are rocking with your host, Matt Labrie. Now, we get a plethora of feedback every time we decode the many realms of relationships, so we are back with another episode on this topic, and in this episode, we're going to be touching on a few really important areas of relationships, all with the intention, and yes, I am delivering you deliberate intention right out of the gate, all with the intention of helping us bolster our current relationships, attract and maintain healthy relationships moving forward, and navigating the space as a whole. So in this episode, we're going to be diving into number one, accepting what our mirrors are reflecting back at us. Now, as you know, every single person we engage with in this world, in your lifetime, is a mirror for you, yourself, who you are. So how do we accept what is being mirrored to us, and then how do we work on that? We're going to be diving into attachment styles, and opening that door for conversation with our partners, or even future partner. Being grounded in relationships when it is so easy to feel all giddy and excited and just wanted to go all in 100% full force, I'll let you know, that's something that I experience, and it could be a turnoff to some. We're also bringing up a point that was mentioned in our last two relationship episodes, so this is really important, I need you to tap into this. Our partners do not come a la carte. They come as is. They come as advertised, and we're going to be talking about so much more. To guide us through this conversation, we are joined by our incredible friend, Kara Allwill, worldwide best-selling author, host, and creator of the top-rated podcast, Style Your Mind, and change agent for women. I will also say that she helps us men, including myself. She's so incredible. I know so many of you already know who Kara is. I can simply tell just by looking at her Instagram and seeing who in this community follows her, but in the very slim chance that you are unfamiliar with her. This episode will be a deep dive into her raw delivery of all things love, relationships, and the dynamics of both. Before moving forward into this episode, you know what's coming. There's someone in your life right now who does not know we put this episode out into the world. I know, hard to believe, but it is very true. We are not the biggest podcast in the world, but we are getting there thanks to you. And that's okay, because you could help us change all of this by delivering the value within by simply sharing this episode, whether it be on social media, and if you do it on social, make sure you tag us so I can show you the love back, text messages, emails, word of mouth, anything in between. There's someone that needs Kara's message today, so when that light bulb goes off for you while you're diving in and listening, that will be your cue to share, so make sure you are sharing it with the people you love, and now without further ado, we bring to you episode number 281 with our friend, Kara Allwell. Kara, welcome to Decoding Success. I am very excited to have you here. This conversation is going to be fruitful for me personally, I will say, and for many people that are tuned into this. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here. How are you? Like, what's going on? I mean, I see that you are like, you're a photographer, part-time, like book cover stuff. Like you got so much going on. Like what's going on in the life of Kara? I would not call myself a photographer, but I shoot a lot of my own content and I just have <laughs> with it. 
yeah, I'm working on a new book actually. And I've just been playing around with like ideas for the cover and just having fun. Like I'm a DIY girl. Like I have like a very, like I had a zine back in like the nineties. Like I have a very DIY vibe with my brand. So I just share all of that. (laughs) I think it's important to show like, I don't have a team of like 50 people working with me every day. I'm an entrepreneur, solopreneur. So it's fun. I like to be creative. Are we allowed to talk about the new book? Yeah, of course. What's it about? Give me some insight. Okay. So I typically write very prescriptive advice, kind of like, here's what I've been through. Here's how you should handle the situation, personal and professional development. This is completely different. It's um, a collection of humorous essays, and it's all about dating, divorce, and what I like to call romantic delusions. Like people, situations, situationships, like all this shit that we got. Can I curse on this, by the way? Of course. Okay. All the shit that we go through in life and love where we feel crazy, we feel insecure. We, we have like, I've just got stories on stories and I was like, I have to write something about this. And the title, it's not done yet. I'm still working on it. But the title is called Don't Do Anything I Would Do. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think anyone should follow my advice with love. Although I do have a lot of wisdom. I don't know if it's the right wisdom, but it's just a collection of my experiences and it's really funny. And I, I think if anything, I just hope it makes people feel less alone because I don't think any of us really have to figure it out. So out of curiosity, like these quote unquote essays, did you have them already written down like maybe in a journal or are they like fresh off the mind, like just from your experience and your memory? They're right out of my mind, out of my crazy brain. Mm-hmm. I'm working with Chloe Caldwell. She's my writing mentor. I hired a mentor for this. I always had an editor before, but I hired this woman, Chloe, and she's an incredible essayist because I felt like I didn't know how to write these stories. Like I know how to tell them, you know, over cocktails with my girlfriends or to whoever, or like on the blog, but I really wanted somebody to help me write them in a meaningful way. I've never written humor before in a professional way. Like I write it all the time in texts and blogs and all on Instagram, but I wanted this to be really well done. So I'm working on getting the stories out and it's like much harder than you would think to be funny and also be somewhat poignant. Oh, I'm sure. I'm curious to learn, like in your words, what a romantic delusion is. <laughs> okay. Have you heard of the term that's been floating around lately called imagination ship? No, I have not heard about this. Okay. So it's basically like when you have a crush on someone or you're maybe casually seeing someone, but in your mind, it's like you're making it into something much more than it is. So I was like the queen of this in high school. Like I had (laughs) this like whole fantasy world going on about all of these guys that I was like in love with. And I'm using air quotes in love with these like skater guys that I like had huge crushes on that didn't even know I existed. But in my mind, I was like, oh, like I'm totally going to get with this guy. I bought a skateboard. I used to hang out at the skate park. And they didn't know I was alive. They didn't care. Like they were like 17 or, you know, years old, but I had like complete imagination chips with them. And I think that's one of the things about women specifically. And I've actually been researching this. Women have very creative imaginations. And I think sometimes we fall victim to thinking something could have this potential to become something that it probably never will. And it's funny when you're young, but it can be a little bit dangerous when you're older. But I mean, I write about them in a really funny way, in a light way. But I think we're all kind of guilty of that. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll be the first one to admit I'm guilty of that. But I'm just curious, like, and I don't want to categorize an imagination ship as good or bad. But, you know, for the sake of conversation, I don't think that's a bad thing, right? Like to, I mean, you have to be able to see something to achieve something, right? Like you have to be able to see a future with someone to pursue that, no? Okay, this is where it gets really dicey for people like us because we do that in our work and we know if we want something and we work hard enough for something and we visualize something, we can get it. But when it's a relationship, there's a whole other human being involved. 
right? right? And you can't control that. You can't imagine it into reality. You can think about it and you can hope for the best and you can put good energy out there. And I totally believe in that. But I think there's a fine line between manifesting love and manifesting like, you know, work, for example, right? Mm. What is the fine line? Again, it comes down to another human being, right? Like you could think it all you want. You could imagine it. You can visualize it. You know, I've met people and I've seen so much potential in that guy. There was a guy that I dated last year and I still think he's an amazing person. He'll make an appearance in the book. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I won't say his name, but like, I really liked him and we had a really good connection, but he was just a mess. Like he was a complete mess. His life was upside down. He knew it. He admitted it. And I think as a coach, especially, I really love the fact that I can see people's potential and I can see what they're capable of but I can't do the work for them. And I think that's the thing in relationships. We can't want someone to have a better life if they don't want it themselves, right? If they're not willing to work for it, if they're not willing to improve their situation to become, let's say, emotionally available or ready for a commitment or ready for love, we can't want that for them more than they want it for themselves. We can't make them become that person. So it sounds like having an imagination ship is a good thing up until a certain point. Right. It's a good thing if the other person is willing to you know, step into that role and also Mm -hmm. have imagine a a future with you. If that's what you both want, that's great. But I think it becomes unhealthy when you stay too long, right? When you stay, when you see the red flags, when you get the warning signs, not even a red flag. If you flat out have someone tell you I'm not available and you're still going to have a delusion that that person might change their mind where you put your whole life on hold for them, it can become unhealthy and it become dangerous to your, you know, your mental health. Absolutely. I literally never come to the podcast with any questions, but I wrote down three personal Matt questions. I have them in the upper right-hand corner of my notebook right here. And I think this is something that I personally experienced, which is why I'm going to segue into it right now. Like when it comes down to imagination ships, which I love that term, I'm literally going to be saying that all fucking day. It is such a great word, but I feel like I have definitely had those. And what transpired after is an excitement because you know, the relationship moved from imagination ship to, you know, early dating phase, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing that I personally had saw was a lack of groundedness for myself because of that excitement. So I'm really curious from a woman's point of view, what a lack of groundedness looks like. You know, I've really never asked that. I mean, I've noticed that pattern in myself and I have been able to shift it to an extent. I definitely still experience it every now and then where it's just like you get caught up in the moment and you're just, you're excited. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but I know it could turn women off. So what's your take on that? Such a great question. I actually had this conversation this morning with a girlfriend because I was talking to her about where I feel like I'm at now. Most of the time, like you said, because we all get swept up. And I think that is part of the fun, right? Like there's a line in this, it's a Taylor Swift song. So don't like everybody can roll their eyes at me, whatever. I know Taylor Swift is like hated, but there's a line in one of her songs, a newer song that I think is really beautiful. And she says, we were living for the hope of it all. And I think we all have hope when we meet someone that we really like. Everybody wants love. Even if you say you don't want it, even if you say, I don't want a relationship, I'm not right. Everybody wants it. That's why you go out on dates. That's why you meet people. That's why you hook up, all this stuff. Like we are wired to be in a partnership. But I think I feel like I've done a lot of work on this personally, where I've been able to get myself out of that mode where I put my happiness or my mood is based on the way another person is behaving, right? Like meet somebody new, they don't text you for a couple days, I used to fall apart I'd be like, Oh, my God, like, this is like, it's not gonna work out. Like he's losing interest. He's ghosting me. He's this that like, who fucking cares? You know, now I'm at a point where I know how to give myself that feeling and that happiness and even better feeling than what anyone else is ever going to be able to give me. And I think that's where we find ourselves 
where we get back into our power, right? When it comes to dating, when we know there's going to be someone else. If it's not that person, you're going to have feelings for somebody else. Think about the list of people that you've loved in your life or liked in your life or had chemistry with. Like there's always someone new around the corner. So I think having that is that notion is really important. And I think when we're not grounded, we're in a space of feeling like that's the only person for me. If this doesn't work out, I'm going to be miserable forever. I'm going to be alone forever. Like all the lies we tell ourselves, but it's just not true. I'm really curious to learn in the situation where you didn't get texted for four days, why didn't you text first? I have. Okay. So let's go back to unavailable man from last year, right? He was the king of like disappearing for like a week. And then I would reach out. I would wait a little bit. I would let him give him the space to make the move to send the text. And then if I didn't hear anything, I would reach out. And I would get a response sometimes in a minute, sometimes in a week, sometimes in a day. So it was like this very, I was almost like hooked on this unstable like feeling of like, oh, when is that next hit going to come from this person? And that's when I think it becomes dangerous for us, right? When we're depending on that like dopamine hit of that text message or that call. And don't get me wrong, you still get excited. You can still get butterflies when someone's in your life. But when you're in a healthier space, I think you realize that that's like additive to your life. It's not everything. It doesn't determine your mood. It doesn't determine your happiness and your joy and your sense of fulfillment. Yeah. I'm curious to learn like what led you to shift out of finding that attractive, right? And I say this, you know, because we all have it. Like we all have parts of ourselves that find that stuff unattractive. And I, I say parts because maybe not all of us, you know, but there are definitely parts. So I'm curious, like what made you shift out of that? Was it just like you getting sick and tired of it? Was there like a breakthrough moment like in therapy or something like that? I think it's a combination of a lot of work I've done over the years. Definitely therapy. So I don't know if you've ever done inner child healing, but it's really powerful. Right. Learning your attachment style, which I, I think attachment style is an interesting conversation because it's, I believe it to an extent. Are you familiar with what it is? I know what mine is. Yeah. What is it? Anxious attached. I knew it. <laughs> I was like, I think, yeah. and I am too. You know, I, that's why we're talking about this. If we were avoidant, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I wouldn't be so fascinated with like relationships. I can for sure be anxious too. But for those who are listening, who might not know, I highly recommend getting the book attached. It kind of explains to you sort of like how your childhood, your upbringing, your life experiences inform the way you show up in your romantic relationships. So like if you, for example, anxious for me, like I was abandoned by my father, like he wasn't in the picture. So my whole life, like I grew up thinking like every man that I love is going to leave, right? It's like as simple as that. So then I would cling to people thinking like, oh my God, like if I don't, you know, if I don't do the right thing or I don't show up correctly, he's going to leave me and then I'm going to be alone. And it took a lot of work, therapy, inner child healing to get past that. There's people who are avoidant, who run away at the first sign of intimacy. And then the goal is to be secure, right? But like, Mm. is anyone actually secure? I don't know about that. I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, just knowing what your attachment style is, what has been the potential pattern of the attachment style of your partners? So I want to see if we align here. I'm so curious to to hear this. So, okay, first it started out with avoidance. I would be avoiding people. My first boyfriend was the most avoidant guy ever. Seven-year relationship was so toxic, super avoidant. Then I married, I think, a secure attachment. I think my ex is pretty secure, maybe skewed towards anxious, but secure. Then I started dating super anxious people. And then I was anxious and we were like, that became codependent. And then it's like, we were just constantly in communication with each other and talking. And and then I went the other end, all of like 2022 was like avoidant again. I think I'm attracting secure people now. I think. 
I love to see the development because I, and the reason I ask that is because as someone that is anxiously attached, I find myself or have found myself in the past with avoidant people. But I think you and I, we, I mean, while we don't have the same shared experiences like that are identical in ways we do, which, you know, just, that's why I had to ask that. It's just, I don't know if there's something more to that. I've really never explored that type of conversation, but I am also curious to learn how you have, if any, if at all, I should say, tried to break the pattern of that anxious attachment. And the reason I'm framing it that way is because it is a pattern and I actually just kind of came to that realization the other day where it's like, hey, do these are habits? Habits can change, right? So if there is someone that's tuned into this, like no matter what their attachment style is, like you can definitely shift without a doubt. You can. And I think the thing about attachment styles that I find to be interesting is it's a newer idea. I think it came out in like the 70s. So it's it's something that's like fairly new, psychological, obviously, right? It's like, it's I don't want to call it a diagnosis, but it's a style, I guess, of attachment and it's studied by psychology, by psychologists rather. But it can also change and it's so nuanced, right? It's nuanced by the person that you're with. So for example, if I skew towards anxious and I meet someone who's super avoidant and they're doing things to make me act like more anxious, if they're acting unstable, unavailable, toxic, I'm going to be more anxious, right? right? Whereas if I meet someone who's secure, that might bring out the secure side of me. So it's not yeah. necessarily something that we're like stamped with forever and we can't change it. But to your point... To your question, rather, is like, for me, it's changing what I'm attracted to. Like, I'm no longer attracted to someone who's not into me. Like, I'm not going to be sitting by my phone waiting for someone. That's actually a turnoff now where that used to be something that I felt like I had to win or conquer or like change his mind, like be the one that he fell in love with and like, you know, like changed everything. Like now I'm like, oh God, like, no, there's so many more things that I can do with my time. I can put that energy back into myself, put that energy into someone else who's actually available and like wants to be with me and appreciates me and values me. Yeah. You know, I actually want to go backwards because I didn't ask you this question, but I I found it to be, or I find it to be something that a lot of women experience where it's very common and I'm not pointing a finger at women. So women, please don't, you know, shame me for asking this, but I feel like women are very prone to putting people before them. Like, you know, they see their parents do it or, you know, their mothers or their aunts or whomever, right? How did you shift out of that? And I mean, people pleasing in general, I mean, I do it in my own ways, but like, what was that shift like for you? You know, I think when you look at any kind of relationship and you ask yourself the simple question, like, is this taking more than it's giving? Mm. that sheds a lot of light on the dynamic and whether or not it's serving you, whether or not it feels good to you. Does this feel good? Is this draining me? You know, and I think when we tend to put somebody before us and feel like we are focused and our energy is on them, it feels like a drain, right? It feels like it's taking away from us. And now I ask myself with everyone that I meet and I date, I'm like, is this person adding to my life? Like, is this person actually making my life better happier and not that someone's going to make you happy, but you know what I mean? Like, is this person actually making me feel good? And if they're not, like, I think one of the best things you can have in, in romantic relationships is just having the power to walk away, you know, like having the willingness to walk away. And in turn, like that makes you more attractive, right? You're with someone and like, they know they can just step all over you and walk all over you. It's like your stock goes down, your value goes down. And like, it's not interesting anymore, right? It's like, I can't lose this person. I could do whatever I want. So, you know, now I'm bored. But when that person knows that you're willing to walk away and you can be with anyone you want to be with, it's a whole different dynamic. Yeah. 
It most definitely is. You just mentioned something that I'm really curious to learn about. You talked about asking yourself a question when you start dating someone. And the question that you just mentioned was like, are they adding to my life? What are the other questions we should be asking ourselves when we start to date someone? That's a good one. Does this person... I'm taking notes, by the way. I'm trying to think. I'm like thinking of what I ask myself typically. I mean, adding to my life, yeah. I mean, does this person make me feel good, right? Like, does this person make me feel like more of me? That's a good one because I've definitely been with people where, and again, you give someone the power to make you feel a certain way to an extent, but there are also people who can be energy drainers, people who can, you know, pull out the, the ne- or highlight the negative sides of you, right? So like, I feel the best when I'm with somebody who accepts me, celebrates me, like loves me for who I am, likes me for who I am not someone who's trying to change me, right? Like I have a girlfriend and this guy that she's dating is like, why don't you wear more dresses? You know, why don't you, I liked your hair better when it was brown. Like he's always calling things out in her that she isn't. So why would you be with somebody like that, right? Like you should be with somebody who celebrates you exactly as you are. And I think that's another point to touch on. I saw something once online. It was so brilliant. It was like, just imagine, this goes for men and women, but it was like, you know, geared towards women. It was like, imagine meeting a guy and he has a sticker on his forehead that says, as is. Right. You know how like when you go shopping and like a thrift store, let's say that's a horrible analogy, but like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's like, as is like, this comes as is right. Like, so you have to accept that person and they have to accept you exactly as you are. And I think if you're with somebody who wants to change you or maybe compares you to an ex or talks about their ex a lot, that's a big red flag for me. Like if you're talking Mm. a lot about your ex, like I just totally fine to have a conversation, but if it's a constant that makes me feel like shit. And I, I realize this person's not over it. So maybe I need to move on and give it a little bit of space. So I guess those are a couple of the things that, that come to mind. I appreciate that. No, I definitely appreciate it. You know, it's funny. We just put out a clip with Lori Gottlieb, who we had on the show recently. And she had mentioned something that aligns with what you just said. She was like, listen, you know, a person isn't a la carte. Like you don't get to just, you know, pick and choose what you want from that person. But one thing that I didn't get to ask her because I didn't think of it until just now. So I'm going to ask you, how does a woman or, you know, anyone in your opinion, how do I frame this? How does a woman or anyone want to be or not maybe not, it's not want to be, but how can we influence them? without trying to change them? Like, does it come down to just being ourselves and doing what we want to do? Because I don't necessarily try and change people, but I can tell you from my experience, like I might say things jokingly, you know, when it comes down to not having fluoride in your toothpaste, because I'm like totally against fluoride. I'm using that as an example. It's a silly example, but it's just something. So I'm curious, like, what does that look like from your personal experience and, you know, your line of work? So do you mean like if I wanted to change something and someone that I was dating? Yeah. And and just be able to influence them to do so versus like deliberately have the intention of being like, hey, like I'm trying to change you or change this about you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I've been down that road and I just don't do it anymore, to be honest. Like I've definitely been with people where I've been like, hey, you should do this. Or did you mm-hmm. ever think about turning this into a business? Like that's my whole thing, right? Like I like can help anyone create a personal brand out of anything, right? But I really watch myself because I don't want to be somebody's life coach right? Like I get paid for that. That's my job. I don't want to be someone's coach in a relationship. I want to be with somebody who can get there on their own, who has that self-awareness already, who doesn't need me, who can have a conversation with me, but not be influenced by me. But I do think that you naturally can influence your partner by just being an example, right? And like leaving in a way that like hopefully inspires them. I remember when I was husband and I was like working out like crazy and he wasn't, he had been before and he kind of fell off. And then like one day he's like, Hey, like maybe I'll come with you. Like, to a training session. 
And then he started working out with me for a while. And now he works out like all the time. And I'm not saying I influenced that, but it definitely was something he saw me doing and getting a benefit out of. And then he's like, I want to be a part of this. As opposed to me being like, hey, come on, you fat ass, like get up and like get to the gym. <laughs> you know, like I would never say that. And like, that's not even how I felt. But you know, like people are like that in relationships. They can be really nitpicky. They can want to change somebody. And I just don't do it anymore. It's like if I see yeah. someone that I don't like, I'm like, okay, he's not for me. Move on. Mm. Yeah, it's more so like proximity is power versus anything, right? Yeah, no, I definitely get that. I want to ask you, you know, I really give you a lot of credit for you know, the books you're writing, like the stories you're putting out there, like that takes a lot of courage. So if you were looking back at Kara when she had first started putting, you know, her personal experiences out into the world and looking at Kara today, what do you find the major differences to be? Hmm. You know, I feel like you would expect that answer to be like, oh, I'm so much wiser now and better at what I do. And, but honestly, I miss the the way that I was like so naive about things. Like I miss the fact that I didn't have a lot of eyes on me and I could take those risks and I could do whatever the hell I wanted to do without thinking about how it was going to come across without thinking that there are millions of people listening to my podcast. Like I just got to create for the sake of creating. And now I think I create obviously first and foremost for the sake of creating, but I'm just hyper aware of the fact that there are more eyes on me and that can sometimes hold me back. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation recently. I've had this conversation many times. Like once you become aware of something, you can't become unaware of it. You can't unsee it. it. That's something I struggle with in so many different capacities. It's just like, once you learn something, there's no going back. So, I mean, I was a reckless motherfucker for literally years and it's just, I, I definitely miss that type of life to an extent but yeah like once you live your shit you can't you can't go backwards so it's definitely a fun dynamic but i'm curious to learn what's a question you wish more people would ask you just people in general yeah what comes up when i ask you that how are you (laughs) well i asked you that already so not you but i just mean in general like people don't often like when you're always checking on other people and you're always teaching other people and coaching a lot of people don't ever ask you like are you okay you know, and there was a stretch there, I would say definitely like 2021, even last year where like I was struggling a lot on the inside, with a lot of areas of my life that were changing really quickly, post-divorce, dating again, like rebranding in a sense, figuring out like what I wanted to do next. And like, I couldn't put that out there to a lot of people, right? Because like I was, my concern is everyone else. And like, you know, being that person who is like a lighthouse for others. So a lot of people forget sometimes. So I like really appreciate that. I do Q and A's in my Instagram story sometimes. And someone will just be like, how are you? I'm like, that's so nice. Like, thank you for asking. Um, Did that make you feel alone? Yeah. What did that make you feel? I mean, there's definitely like a level of isolation. I think that comes with entrepreneurship in general, like not having coworkers, not having a team to go to. Like I have people that I hire that help me with my work, but I don't have people that I'm around every single day. So it's definitely lonely. It's for sure. It's isolating, especially being single, being alone. Like I work from home. I'm in this apartment all day by myself. So I have to really, I've learned to reach out to friends when I need support. And that's something that I have a really hard time doing. I'm a tourist. So I'm super stubborn. I think I can figure it all out on my own, but I I can't (laughs) about reaching out. Are you into astrology? Yes. I am. How much like are you into astrology? Like if you're going on a date with someone, are you asking them what their sign is? Oh, for sure. I mean, definitely. <laughs> and by the second date, I'm asking them for like their birth time, 
place of birth. I'm running a birth chart. Really? And what happens if it doesn't come back compatible though, right? Like this is super interesting because the girl that I'm dating right now, I've never encountered someone where we had high everything. And that's something that I looked at because we were just messing around in conversation, right? And I, I jokingly said, you know, knowing when her birthday is, knowing when mine is, like, let's look. So we looked and everything came back high. But I'm curious, like, if it didn't come back high in your scenarios or in your dating life, does that mean you would just not talk to the person anymore? No, no, not at all. But I will tell you looking back and then I look and I'm like, no wonder why that didn't work out. He was a fucking Scorpio. Of course it didn't work out. You know, like oh I, my God. I can connect the dots looking back, but it doesn't like deter me from dating someone. I think it's more fun. It's definitely entertaining. Although I will tell you when you really look into certain aspects of your chart, things make sense. And I don't mean compatibility. I just mean like you, like for example, right now, like Jupiter is in my 10th house. Jupiter is like the planet of luck and fortune. 10th house is my career. And it's like this week it went into it and like so many things exploded in, in a good way for my mm -hmm. career. So it's fun, you know, to look at it and be like, okay, like there's, there, maybe there's something to this, but compatibility wise, relationship wise, it doesn't deter me, but I know the types of signs that I do really well with and I get along with. So it's always like reassurance. I'm like, oh, you're an earth sign. Okay, this might work. <laughs> so I've actually had a reading. I did a reading last year, probably around this time. But one of the most interesting things I've ever done was I had my soul read, which was by this woman named Sonia Chalquette. And I'm not kidding. I'm a very emotional guy. I was in tears the entire call. You're a water like sign? A Libra. I don't know what sign okay. that is. Is that an air sign? Air, yeah. 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 Your moon and your rising too, to get a full picture. I have all of that. I have it in a notebook, which I'm not going to reach for. But I, I had a, a reading, which was cool. But I think that soul reading was like out of this world. And like I said, I was literally in full blown tears. This woman knew nothing about me outside of my name. And I don't even think she knew like the time I was born. She knew like my birthday, which is October 7th. Full blown tears. I would gladly send that to you after if you're interested. But on the topic of emotions, th this is a personal question that I had written down. On the topic of emotions, I have personally experienced, and I know a lot of people have, speaking from a male's perspective, that we hear women say they want an emotional man. Like they want a man that is in touch with their emotions. That's what I'm getting at. But on the flip side, when they get it, they find themselves turning off, you know, feeling like they're not safe something of that sort. And I understand like to an extent it's because there is a possibility that women haven't been taught to accept that. But I'm really curious from your perspective, how a man can help a woman help their partner start to accept that side of them. See, I love it. Like I have like this running joke with my friends, like every guy that I date cries in front of me, like they really do. Like almost every guy that I've been with has cried in front of me. And I don't like make them cry on purpose, but they feel comfortable I guess showing emotion and I love that like if a guy is not emotional it's like a turn off to me so I guess I mean for me it's not an issue at all it's more of like it's weird if they're not emotional but I can see how some people could put a wall up I think it really depends but I think if it's freaking you out if someone is emotional then it's like that's more of a reflection of you. Like, are you scared to be emotional, right? Like it's, everything's a mirror, especially in relationships. We're always mirroring things, right? So if someone is triggering you in some way, I would like suggest like looking at yourself and being like, why is this bothering me? Like, what is it about this person or this behavior that's triggering something in me? And like, let me look at myself as opposed to wondering what's wrong with them. 
How do we accept what the mirror is showing us without being offended? I mean, I don't necessarily know if I've ever encountered that where something was being reflected back to me and I felt offended, but I feel like that's definitely something that does come up in capacities where, you know, you take it personal is what I'm getting at. Like, how do we not take things personal and be able to work on them while in relationship? Can you give me an example? Okay. So if we were dating and we'll use the emotion example, right? And I start to break down or not break down, but like, you know, I'll make you laugh. I literally cry every time I hear this one song. I don't know how to say the guy's name, but the song is called Sun and Moon. Have you ever heard it? No. Okay. I don't want to get flagged for playing it, but I might play it into the mic just so that you could hear it. It's one of the most beautiful fucking songs ever. And keep in mind, like I went from NSYNC to 50 Cent. So like, I'm not really about like the soft shit, but this is such a good fucking song. Every time I hear it, I literally cry. I'm going to play it. Can you hear it? Yeah. I don't know how to say his name. I'm not kidding. I'm getting teary eyed. <laughs> oh my God. I made you cry, Matt. Look, I do it to everyone. <laughs> right. So like little things like that. I don't know how to say his name. I don't want to mispronounce it because of the way it's spelled. It's A-N-E-E-S. Okay. It's a beautiful song. So for example, right, we're in the car, this song comes on, I start to cry. And then you just like, start to break down or you're just like turned off. This isn't for you anymore. Maybe that would be more of an example of like, what that's reflecting to you. And you know, as you just said, so how would you not take that personal if you were you in that situation and you were closed off? So like, how would you not take that personal and you would work through that while in relationship, which I think is a tough thing to do. It is a tough thing to do. I mean, I think like as much as things are a mirror, there's still like a personal responsibility, right? So like if someone does something that you feel uncomfortable with, like, I think you also have to realize like, that's trying to think of another example on how I can really kind of like relate this, but like not everything is like a reflection of you, right? So like you, for example, breaking down in the car. And then like, if I got upset by that, the way to protect yourself is to know, well, she's getting upset because that's bringing something up for her. You know, it's not a reflection of you and how who you are as a person and vice versa. So it's, it's recognizing it. And I think also in a relationship, it's like the ability to communicate and be like vulnerable is so important. You know, so like encouraging your partner to like tell you when something bothers them or when something is coming up for them. I think a lot of us hold that in and then that creates like the tension and ultimately like the breakdown of a relationship because you're not able to be real with that person. Yeah. You bring up a great point. You know, you bring up like a s- still having like a sense of individuality. And one thing that I see, you know, just in relationships that are around me, I don't necessarily know if I've ever encountered this myself, but maybe I have to an extent. I feel like a lot of people lose their sense of individuality, meaning like they just become conjoined at the hip. And it's just like, hey, like, do you not want to go to the gym or like play basketball or do something with the homies anymore? Like, it's just like, what happens? How do we prevent that? That is a great question. And this is something that I have like worked on so much with myself, like just constantly leaning into you, leaning into the things that make you excited and happy. Like, I think like guys can sense it when you're canceling plans because you think he might call you or you're not going to your spin class on Sundays or you're not doing the things that 
make you feel good and excited, right? Like your obsessions, your passions, all the stuff that makes you who you are. And I think it, keeping in mind, that that's why that person fell in love with you, right? Like your partner fell in love with you because of all the things that make you who you are and all the things that you're interested in and that are maybe different than what they are, right? Like opposites attract, like as much as similarities attract, I think opposites attract too. So being aware of that, like that's something I always try to remind myself, like whoever I date, likes me because I have a lot of cool shit going on in my life, right? And they want to be part of that shit. And I want to be part of their shit. So like, we got to keep our shit separate to an extent. And also like, I used to be the queen of like the crash and burn relationship. Like every person I met, it was like instantly in love, like attached to the hip, like it was so hot and heavy. And then it fizzled out. I'm learning that it's actually healthier for it to be a slow burn, right? To meet somebody to maybe see them twice a week. You don't have to see them six days a week, right? Maybe you text once or twice a day. Maybe you're not texting from the minute you wake up until the minute you go to sleep. Like that's actually healthy. And I used to think that that meant they weren't interested or it wasn't fiery enough. It wasn't passionate enough, right? Like I, but I think keeping that little bit of distance and keeping that independence is like what actually makes a relationship sustainable, like in the long haul. So does that come down to boundaries? It comes down to boundaries. And I think more so it comes down to relationship style. So like, what is your style like, right? What is the culture of the relationship? I love that phrase because you really dictate the culture of the relationship. And so does that person by the way that you interact with each other. So, you know, if someone is texting you 24 seven, you meet a girl, you really like her, but she's like nonstop texter. You might have to show her like, if you don't like that, like, pull back a little bit, maybe don't reply for a couple of hours, like, like set the tone. And if she's not getting it, you might have to just say, Hey, I'm really busy during the day. I'll text you when I get home at night. Right. It's like, it's all about just kind of like setting, setting that tone, creating that culture and realizing that like you get to determine what that is. You don't necessarily have to just fall into whatever that person is into. Like I was dating somebody a couple of months ago and he would call me. He'd want to be on the phone for hours. And I'm like, dude, I can't talk to you for hours. Like I'm busy. <laughs> like I know you're bored at work, but I can't talk to you for two hours at night. Like this is my time. And you know, I told him and he was like, he was super emotional and I had to kind of like tell him gently, but he got it eventually and he didn't take it personally. And you know, it's about like, I guess that is a boundary, right? Like, like standing up for yourself in a sense, but I think you can do it in a way that doesn't feel scary or intimidating or confrontational to that person. Yeah. You, you mentioned a, a phrase that led me to this question that's in my mind. And it's something before I even ask you the question, I'm just going to let you know, like personally, I was so against this. Like I thought this was not how to go about relationships. You know, you mentioned the phrase, quote unquote, setting the tone. So my mind instantly went to what is your thoughts on teaching someone how to love you? That's kind of a loaded question, right? Because there's part of me that says you should absolutely communicate what you need and you should communicate the way that you like to be loved or cared for or thought of. But going back to what I said earlier about the as is sticker, right? Like people love in their own way. So there are right. people who, you know, I've had relationships where I knew that person really loved me, but they weren't super expressive about it, right? They showed me in other ways. It's like love languages. They showed me in other ways. I love words of affirmation. I'm physical touch, words of affirmation. Like if you're not hugging me, if your hand is not on me at all times, I'm like, do you not like me anymore? Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's just who I am. But I can't make someone be that if they're not. So I think it is also that what compatibility is, right? At the end right. of the day, you're not... You could have feelings for someone, great sex, great connection, but if like you're not compatible in a day-to-day -day setting, then, you know, I mean, can you really change that? I don't know. Yeah, I think I used to get offended where 
I mean, like when I'm entering a relationship, I give it my all. Like I, I don't half-ass these things, which is also why I don't necessarily like just date for the sake of dating. Like I find one person, I go all in. That's just how I've always operated. So I used to get offended when I felt like I had to teach someone how to love me because they didn't bring a certain curiosity to the table to find out for themselves, right? And yeah, just like saying that out loud, like I just always appreciated the effort. And when there was a lack of effort to do so, and maybe, you know, they were just stuck in their pattern of how their last relationship went, I was just like, hey, like, that's not how this shit's going to go, you know, and then it never ended up working out as it is. But yeah, I was just always I'm curious to hear what people have to say about that, because I think there is a level of teaching some like for example like you just communicated to me right now your love languages like if you didn't do that i don't know if i would have been able to not that we're dating but you get for the sake of conversation like i don't know maybe i would have given you gifts and you're like matt i don't need fucking gifts i make enough money i buy my own shit you know (laughs) what i tell everybody i'm like please don't buy me anything just like like yeah write me a card you know to me that's like so much more meaningful than somebody giving me like a diamond ring honest to god i swear like i most girls would be like what like i don't care like that just doesn't mean anything to me but to your point how would you know if you don't communicate that but i want to go back to what you said about lack of effort you were like i dated people who never made the effort to ask me how i want to be loved what does that look like in a relationship so it's not that they didn't ask me it's just like i felt like i always had to tell them right so what's a good example I don't necessarily have one off the top of my head. But yeah, I just felt like there was a lack of just trying to find out what and I will be honest, like I was not good at communicating my needs, right? I, I because I didn't know what my needs were. So I think that's a, a lot of a lot of the issue in relationship is not knowing what we actually want, what we actually need. And I think that really comes back to, you know, a, a deeper psychological conversation where just like we don't know who we are in general. You know, I think we need to all experience homecoming. But yeah, I, I wasn't a good communicator back then. Like verbally, yes, I could communicate well, but when it came to like an intimate relationship communication, there was a fear of well, I was a people pleaser. So there was a fear of conflict because God forbid I said something that like rattled the the carriage. Next thing you know, the horse is just gone and we're stuck. Like that was, I don't know where that analogy came from. I've never said that in my life, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely part of it. But still, yeah, I think that's what it was. It was just, you know, I'm not here to just point fingers. Like there was definitely a lack of communication for me. And that led to, I guess, a lack of curiosity on the opposite end. And that doesn't make you feel good. You know, like that makes you just feel like, blah, you're kind of just being pushed along and you're in this relationship for the sake of being in a relationship. And no one wants to feel that, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It really also just depends like on the people. And I think like just the, like I said before, the compatibility factor, right? If you feel like you're constantly telling someone how to treat you, how to behave, that's like another thing. Like I will never tell a man how to treat me, like how to behave. I think the minute you're saying to someone, Hey, I don't like the fact that you checked out that waitress there's a problem, right? Like you shouldn't be doing it in front of me anyway. Like we're all human. We all look, but but, like, if you're checking out every single girl that walks by, like, I'm not going to tell you, I'm just not going to go out with you again. You know, it's little things like that, that you really can't and shouldn't have to change in a person, like basic levels of respect, right? I'd like you to return my text, you know, in maybe like a day, not four weeks, (laughs) like stuff like that. You just get to a point where you're like, is this really even worth it? Can I really, do I need to change this person? Probably not. Absolutely. No, I definitely get it. I only have you for a few more minutes. Otherwise, I I mean, I I could ask you a million and one more questions. I was asked the question on this show 
It was such a good question. I've been asking it to everyone ever since. Question is rather deep, and I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about it. Knowing what you know about me, you don't obviously know everyone that's tuned into the show, but for the sake of it, if we knew what you know, how would our life be different? Ooh, I love that question. If you knew what I knew, how would your life be different? I think you would take a lot more risks and have a lot more trust that things always work out exactly the way that they're supposed to. I think you would give yourself a lot more permission to be creative, to trust yourself and to have fun with your life. How did you get to that point? Life? Life, so many things. Also, this is going to sound really morbid, but like just being aware of my own mortality, you know, like just just like knowing life is really short and knowing that we're all going to die, you know, losing people in my life, losing people who are young, like watching, I had a friend pass away last week who was 53 years old, you know, like looking at that and like realizing she had so much more life left in her. Like she didn't get to do a lot of the things that we hopefully will have the time to do. So knowing that like it could end tomorrow, like, do you want to get to a point where like you always wanted to write a book and now you can't because you're sick, you know, like stuff like that, I think just is always like front of mind for me. And that really pushes me to just take risks and do things and realize at the end of the day, like there's no such thing as failure. It's just, it's all experience in everything, in love, in life, in business. It's just experience. And I think if you could just take some of that judgment off yourself and not try to be perfect all the time and realize that we're all human and we're all going to fuck it up, like and it's all okay. I think life is just a lot better. Is there something in life that you wanted to do and didn't do? No, I don't think so. Not no. yet. Not up to this point. No, I go. That's I a good thing. Everything. Yeah. That's definitely a good thing. I love that. Okay. I just want to let everyone know Kara's socials, websites, podcasts, books in the show notes of this episode. I put that out there first. I'm going to ask you two last questions. The first one is if you make it to whatever year you want to make it to, you write as many books, you put out as many podcasts, you impact as many people, whatever that looks like, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice. What is that piece of advice? Take the risk. Go for Take it. The like, risk. Yeah. That's what they're going to etch in your tombstone. Take the risk. Yes, my hot pink glitter tombstones. They take the risk. <laughs> okay. So I have to ask you actually two more questions. I lied. So it was three total. One thing I started doing, I actually need to find it. I'm slightly unprepared for this because I forgot I've, I was doing this. I honestly forgot. So the last person that was on this show, I won't say who it was, but I had them ask a question to the next guest and you are the next guest. It's something that I wanted to try. I, I found it from, I don't know if you know that guy, Stephen Bartlett. He's fantastic. He has a really great podcast. I mean, he hosts some like truly incredible people. And I saw that, I saw that he was doing this. And I'm like, you know what? That's such a good idea. So our last guest had asked the question to the next guest, which was, did you show up today as your true self? 100%. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. I know that from the minute I woke up, I did something this morning and it was like, I was like, yes, like, yeah, I did. Okay. So now I have to ask you a question that you would want me to ask the next guest without knowing who the next guest is, because I don't even know who the next guest is. Okay. So I have to come up with a question for them. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is going to be good. What do you wish you would have said to someone that you didn't say? What do you wish you would have said to someone that you didn't say? That you didn't get the chance to say or you haven't said yet. I love this. It's fun. What's your answer to that question? Oh, I can't say that on the air. Oh, you can't? Okay. <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> 
I love it. I love it. Well, Kara, I just wanted to express gratitude. Thank you so much for this. I, I really could have kept you here much longer than this, but I want to respect your time. Again, show notes will have socials, websites, books, podcasts, all of that fun stuff. Seriously, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Matt. This was awesome. You have just tuned into the Decoding Success podcast, episode number 281, featuring our friend Kara Allwill as she shares her raw stories and delivers a plethora of advice in the realm of dating, relationships, and love. As always, you could check Kara out in the show notes of this episode. Websites, socials, all of that fun stuff can be found in the show notes. So make sure you check her out. Also, if you connect with her on social, let her know that you heard her here on Decoding Success. I'm sure she would absolutely love that. Lastly, you know I got to send that reminder to make sure you're sharing this episode. There's someone in your life right now who needs to hear Kara's words, plain and simple. Whether it be for encouragement, guidance, a laugh, or anything in between, you can deliver on what that person needs literally right now. You tapped in. Now it's their turn. Share, share, share. And until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.